0: Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. If you're staying in here uh, with us, invite you to open your Bibles, or you can see it there on your bulletin, Luke chapter 3, 15 through 22. And um, If you are uh, visiting with us, welcome, so glad that you're here. Ho- really hope uh, that your stay in at Westminster at Greenwood is, is good, um, is a, a warm, welcome, worshiping experience. Um, if you see one of these uh, in your pew, and you want to just, you know how these things work, right, you take a picture of it, scan it. Um, and there's a small, very little uh, form that you can fill out. If you want to do that, great. Uh, we would appreciate it. If not, it's a free country. Do what you want, right? Um, hey, so yeah, this morning we're in, we've, we've been going through a series in Luke um, that, as you see there at the title or the, the front page of our bulletin, that you may be certain. Uh, we're looking at the different truth claims of Jesus, uh, this time through, through Luke, and Uh, You know, Luke doesn't allow us to think that this is make-believe. That this is just, you know, it's stories you tell your kids when when they're afraid of the dark to make themselves feel better. But this isn't Aesop's fables or ancient clickbait. Um, You know, we didn't get a chance to explore this last week, but if you have your Bibles, up before this passage, the beginning of Luke, um, Luke begins with some very specific historical markers. He, He wrote in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, where Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and when Herod was Tetrarch of Galilee, he lists all these names. He says, something happened then. And it was easy to kind of skip over all these titles and names and say, look, let's just, can we just talk about Jesus? But what Luke wants us to know is is he is talking, he is telling us something about Jesus with all these names, that, that this is very real. And so if If Luke wrote it today, it might sound something like, you know, in the year when Joe Biden was president, and when Tate Reeves was the governor, you know, when the world was in a pandemic, and and masks and vaccines were on everyone's mind, in the year in which Mississippi State won the College World Series, um, and when Taylor Swift was putting out an album like every month, um, in the day when people spent their leisure time doing dances on TikTok, like something happened, like right then. And, and I love this because Luke just mentioned all the movers and shakers of this time period. Um, and if anything big happened, you would think surely it would have happened to these these people, right? Just like we think today that big things happen to big people in big places. Uh, you know, th- we think like like Adam Schefter, he's going to break the news, right? Or uh, Ben Shapiro or Fox News or, or whoever will, will tweet about it. But but here we find that when the biggest news ever broke it didn't come to those in the know no it it wasn't a song by taylor swift or danced about by addison ray we see that after 400 years of silence no, no prophetic witness no word from the lord after 400 years the word of god came to john where in the wilderness in other words it's not about being a mover and a shaker in in this world but it's about being where god's word is like that's the most important thing. And you look, we've probably consumed a lot of news this week. Um, some of y'all probably, I don't know, watched or binge watched a lot of Norm MacDonald um, comedies. Um, but just like 2,000 years ago, there's, there's more important news out there than what we hear in the news. There's more important things going on than what you find in your social media feed. More important than what AOC wore to the, uh, the gala. Um, and this morning we come to what's truly special It's not a celebrity not a governor not even a president but God has spoken and he's speaking here this morning and so this is the this is the best place we can be and I have an opportunity to sit under his good good words so with that let's pray and, and we'll dive in father show us through your spirit what you have for us in this, this text that was written 2,000 years ago. But Lord, 2,000 years ago, you you came and you spoke and you worked through John the Baptist and, and Jesus came. And Lord, show us what that means for us in our lives, for our marriages, for our families, for our careers, um, for how we engage in life. Show us what it means. And we ask this in Christ. Amen. Uh, Luke three fifteen through 22. This is God's word. As, as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John the Baptist answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. This is God's word. Um, so if, a few years ago, I, I preached at, you know, in, in in Greenwood, we have these things called Lenten Luncheon Series that the, the Ministerial Association puts on. And uh, I, so I got to preach one of these at uh, New Green Grove Church of Faith. And um, and at the end, I, I told them, I was like, y'all, y'all don't understand. Like, it's a huge difference between preaching like there and preaching in like my home church, uh, the Pre- a Presbyterian church. I, I told them after the finish, like I have never felt more white and uncool in my entire life. Um, because there, like, I left not only having preached a sermon, but, but I, like, they preached a sermon to me too, right, right back at me. And, and, you know, in, in a similar vein, um, E.V. Hill, y'all may have heard the name, the famous pastor of Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles, uh, he once uh, told the story about this older lady in his church who sits right up on the front row and who kind of has this tendency of giving guest preachers a really hard time. Uh, he, he said that as soon as the guest preacher would get up into the pulpit, she would st- sit right there in the front row and just say, get him up, get him up. And he said it was, it was her way of saying, "Like lift up Jesus, like, like tell us about Jesus. Don't talk about yourself, don't, t- don't talk about the world, just just." Just get him up. And, and then he said, if after a few more minutes she didn't think there was enough Jesus in the sermon, she'd shout it out again get him up, get him up. Um, well, she wouldn't have to say that with John the Baptist, uh, would she? Uh, you know, at this point in time uh, in Scripture, John was the most popular preacher in Israel. Um, people were flocking to the desert to hear him ta- teach and to, to be baptized. And they were even asking if he might be the Messiah, you know, the promised one. But, but John wasn't having it. He said, no, no, like, I'm not the Christ. Like, I, I've come to bear witness. I've come to tell you about him. I've come to even point you, prepare you for Christ, but I'm not Christ. John said things like, you know, he must increase and I must decrease. Um, he said things like, uh, well, yeah, Jesus uh, was so much better than him in every single way. And what's interesting is, is that we see that John's calling was to prepare people for Jesus, and once he had done that, uh, it, it, we note here that well, he was thrown in prison and ultimately beheaded. It's like he prepared people for Jesus, and once he had ushered Jesus in, uh, he all but disappeared from the scene. Uh, so he wasn't a celebrity pastor trying to you know, build a platform for himself. Whatever platform he built, he just put Jesus on it. <laughs> um, because he was better, Jesus was better in every every single way. So, which brings us to the first reality that we see about Jesus this morning. First, we we, we see that Jesus is a better teacher. We gotta Jesus is a better teacher. You know, we, we we read this passage with modern ears, and it can sound kind of weird because John is talking about like, you know, untying shoes and sandals, and it just seems so odd, but but to ancient ears this is a a very specific point that everybody would have gotten because back then they didn't have school buildings um they they just where everybody went to school like they just had teachers which meant if you were a student then your classroom was wherever your teacher was right and and you didn't have to pay tuition for this school um, but rather you paid through kind of acts of service for your teacher and it was said that during this time, if you were like the truly great teachers, hardly had to lift a finger because their, their students just took care of everything in their life. Um, and, and during this time Jesus, uh, of Jesus, during the time of Jesus, one rabbinic saying was that disciples ought to do everything for their teachers that a slave does. Everything that a slave does, looks up for one thing, untie his sandals. And because they thought that even that was too far, that it's something just dehumanizing, degrading, uh, that they could, if so much so that they couldn't force a student to, to do it. Uh, unlacing sandals was something that reserved for the lowest of the low. This was the, 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 you know, the slave's job. And yet, here John is again, I mean, he's the pinnacle of a teacher. Like, he's the most popular teacher in Israel at the time. And he's saying, like, hey, You don't understand. Um, Jesus is so much better than me in every single way that, that I'm not even worthy to do that. He's saying, compared to the immeasurable worth of Jesus, like, I, I'm lower than the lowest. Like, like I, I'm not even worthy to be His slave. It's like, it's, it's that He's that far removed. And again, this is John, like filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. John, this is John who Jesus said was the greatest man on earth. And if he's not worthy, what does that say of us? Um, well, it means we got nothing. This is tremendously humbling. And yet, this is one of the ways that we see the gospel kind of creep in and blow categories. Because in a day where, where teachers were completely pampered by their disciples, where, where, where slaves untied their sandals, what did Jesus do? Jesus took on the role of a slave, if you remember And he washed his disciples' feet so that they could have this reality burned into their minds that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for for many. In in many ways, that was kind of like a dress rehearsal for his ultimate service for them on the cross. And and what's amazing was, yes, I mean, John wasn't worthy. But we know this, it was like by God's grace. He hadn't done anything. It was in his mother's womb that, that God, by his grace, enabled him to serve. And the same is true of, of you, if you are in Christ. Um, and you know, we quoted from Matthew eleven earlier, but, but but listen to the whole thing. Jesus said, "Truly, I say to you, among those who are born, basically anybody who's born, no one has arisen that's greater than John the Baptist, greatest man ever born, ever." But then, and we got that. But but notice what Jesus said next. Right after that, he says, "Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven." Is greater than He. <laughs> in other words, what makes you great, it, like it's not your greatness or your worthiness. No, it is God's grace to you in Christ. And in Him, not only are we enabled to serve Him like a slave, like Jesus doesn't even call us a slave, it, it, it's way better than that. Jesus calls you friend, Jesus calls you brother, and calls you sister if you are in Him. I mean, there's no one like Him. Not to mention the fact that you know, up until this point, every prophet, every scribe, every teacher, it's kind of like me. You know, He just kind of echoes God's word back. You know, he says, you know, one commentator or one scholar said, or this is kind of what I think it means, is, is what they would say. But Jesus was so different. In Mark, we hear that, that when people heard Jesus teach, they were astonished. They said, nobody teaches like that. Because he taught as one with divine, like God-given authority. Instead of saying things like, well... I think it means, or one commentator said it means, Jesus like literally was the Word of God. What he spoke was God's word. I mean, Jesus is the best teacher. Uh, he's the best teacher. Um, so, would you this morning be his student? But only that second, we see here that Jesus gives a, a better baptism. You it, know, it's, it's interesting that baptism was what John was known for. I mean, that was like literally his his nickname, John the Baptizer. Um, it, it was literally his most effective area of ministry, and yet even this, the, the best part about John, he says, my baptism pales in comparison to Jesus' baptism. Verse 16, John said, look, look, I baptize you with water, but the Christ, there's, there's coming one who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In, in other words, John's saying, look, I, I can call you to repent. I can even put some water on you, but I, I can't change you from the inside out. I can't actually make the gospel click. Um, like he, he couldn't save them or make them new. He, he knew that like only, only God could do that. And so he's saying that there's a, a big difference between an outward baptism and an inward baptism of the heart. And th- those are two totally different things uh, where, where the Spirit comes and convicts you of sin and, and draws you into, into repentance And then as a result, that gives you just in Christ the joy of forgiveness and adopts you into God's family. And at that point, you could say you are in Christ, your hope of glory. Uh, That's conversion. That's salvation. And that's what happens when um, we experience the baptism of the Spirit. And so this is a reminder that we we can share the gospel and we can preach and we can pray and uh, we can even reach out to people in very practical ways um, but only God, only God can do the inward things. Uh, only God can make a dead heart come alive. And, and so, as we pray, let's, let's pray for that. Um, but, but but John then mentions this bit about fire. You know, when, when the Spirit comes, it, it, the Spirit has this cleansing effect, this purifying effect in, um, the lives of God's people. Isaiah speaks of God cleansing Zion with washing and with fire. Uh, remember from Malachi when we went through that, God said He is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. It says that old hymn says that that we sing uh, when through fiery trials my pathway shall lie. My grace your grace all sufficient shall be my supply. The flame shall not hurt me. You only design my dross to consume and my gold to refine. John's saying, look, water can hit the surface, but fire, man. Fire melts out the center. It it gets to to those deep, dark, hard-to-reach pockets of the heart. and, And anything that's not eternally rooted in Christ will burn. And you think about this, if you're trying to clean something, you know it's the difference between cleaning something by like washing your hands or by, by washing something and then like taking a blowtorch to something, right? There's a different level of cleanliness there. Um, fire purifies, fire changes us. And then John reminds us again that he says, "Look, we don't we don't always know who's saved and who's who's in Christ. Who's, we don't we don't know. But rest assured that, that Jesus does know, as Peter said in the end of John. You know, Peter Peter's like, Jesus, you, you know, Jesus, you know everything. And so it's a warning that that in this life, though often the wheat and the weeds grow up together, you know, just like we read what we just sang, right? Um, that though be those that hate her and false sons in her pale. Talking about the church. We don't always know, but but Jesus, uh, Jesus knows. And if this were written today. This whole winnowing fork thing you might we might say that Jesus is like a finely tuned combine who specializes in harvesting and cutting and then separating you know the the actual good part from all the dust and just blowing it away right the the kernel from the chaff, which means when it comes to christ well there is no middle ground uh, it, it's either we, we get him up or continue to reject him and thus put him down um, but since baptism is of the spirit and not water god will call his own home period so let's pray for that so better baptism a third we see that jesus is a better sacrifice um better sacrifice i i think it's probably uh, you know i know there's only so many stories i can tell about growing up they're like okay we're let's move on okay like if you notice, I don't talk about Alabama anymore—the football team. Like I've we, that kind of ran its course, right? Um, though I want to every day. Um, so growing up, I was extremely sheltered. I'm um, still dealing with problems from being sheltered so much. Um, you know, we obviously no internet then. Uh, we didn't have cable. We barely even had like PBS or whatever. And like just we live in the middle of nowhere. But we sometimes we could like our little foray into pop culture was occasionally uh my parents would let me rewatch uh or watch reruns of happy days and uh and i remember from a really young age my dad impressing upon me how cool the Fonz was and and i I really like he was the first celebrity i ever knew um the Fonz man and and so fast forward several years um y'all know a few years ago y'all um y'all sent me and Annie to see Hamilton, right? And, and we went to Chicago and um, had, had a great time other than like losing half of our luggage on the subway. Had a great time. And, and look, the four of y'all plus my mom who actually likes my Facebook post, y'all know where we're going with this. Um, but when we were in the airport, we're going home, we're walking through the terminal um, and me and this guy caught eyes and I told Annie, like, I think that was the fonts. And uh, I did a quick Google because I hadn't seen him in like, what, was it 40 years or whatever? I, I did a quick Google search and, and of what he looked like now, and there he was, like Henry Winkler in the flesh. And uh, so Annie said, are you kidding me? So, so we've got to get a picture with him. So we turned around, we went back to find him. Of course, he's like on the phone, but we, Annie's like still asked for a picture, and we got a picture with him. Um, standing in line to board a plane with the rest of us lowly peasants. And, and you know, I, I think... Um, Kind of in looking back on that, um, I'm thinking, like, what are you doing there, Henry Winkler? This, you know, arguably a world-class actor. Like, what are you doing here, standing in line with us lowly peasants? This long line. Like, where's your private plane? You know, where's your special treatment? Um, Well, In a similar way, while John was baptizing people, a a baptism of repentance of sins, you know, Jesus, too, got in line. All these sinners are lining up to be baptized, and Jesus gets in line. And, you know, we, we, we see this in Matthew, what Josh read this morning. You know, Matthew, or John was like I was with Henry Winkler. What are you doing here? John the Baptist was like, Jesus, you, what, what, you don't belong here. Why in the world would you be baptized for the repentance of sin? And if anything, Jesus, I need you to baptize me. And in Matthew, Jesus says, I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness, Which means even there, even in this small little paragraph here, Jesus, though he was sinless and has no need for baptism, he is here for you. As Paul would tell us, that that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus right here is, is standing in line, identifying with sinners in their need of forgiveness. And oh, he knows our need. And so even even before he'd begun his ministry, we we see what Jesus was about, that that he came to be a sacrifice in our place. Um, You know, even here, he's fulfilling that great prophecy in Isaiah 53 that the coming Messiah, that the one who who would bear our griefs, that the one who would carry our sorrows, whose chastisement would bring us peace with God, and whose wounds would bring us healing. (laughs) that Messiah, would also be one who is numbered with the transgressors and who would bear the sin of many. And on the cross, that's what Jesus did. Like He took, he took our sins, he bore the full wrath of God so that in, in him we get his, his righteousness, we can have peace with God. Um, y'all know Marty Stewart, right? Love, Mississippi love, seems to love Marty Stewart. Um, Marty Stewart world-class musician world-class guitarist mandolin player um, he's got this band called like Marty Stewart and the fabulous superlatives or something and, and uh, one of his band members is a guy named Kenny Vaughn, who's a guitarist plays guitar and he's just a backup guitar for Marty Stewart uh well a couple years ago and he's a I mean if you're into guitar you know who Kenny Vaughn is but most people like he's a nobody um several years ago, Kenny Vaughn decided he wanted to have a little solo album, and so he, uh, you know, put some money together, he made a little CD, and, um, and so it got time to where he and a couple of his friends were going to get together to have a CD release party, he was going to do a concert, and, um, when it came time for him to come out there, Marty Stewart said, I want, I want to come and, and play in your band, Marty Stewart, you know, the consummate front man, he's like, I want to come back you up, um, and so Marty Stewart played backup guitar, rhythm guitar, uh, for Kenny Vaughan. And it's this beautiful moment, at, and you see it on YouTube. Where, I mean, obviously, probably ninety-nine percent of the people were there to see Marty, uh, but it packed out the place to come see Kenny. And there, and there, Marty is in the background, just letting letting Kenny get, get the spotlight. And then I was, thinking, so it's such a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us on the cross. Like we're so Kenny Vaughns, you know, we don't we don't deserve that crowd. We don't deserve anything. And yet in Christ, um, Christ is willing to, to share some of that, to share his righteousness, to give us that. Um, it's just a beautiful picture of what he is or what he does as our sacrifice. So, y'all, Jesus is not only the better sacrifice. I mean, he's like the best. He's the best sacrifice. Which then brings us to our final reality. Uh, if you are in Jesus, um, then Jesus gives you a better identity, a better identity. And this is one of the places where you know, we see all three persons of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together. And Luke mentions that after Jesus' baptism, which really functioned kind of as an anointing of his prophet, priest, king role, um, after his baptism, the Holy Spirit came down in bodily form like a dove. And uh, you know, Lee's, Lee's been teaching, gentle and lowly. I uh, mentioned Thomas Goodwin probably a couple times. Uh, Thomas Goodwin, in commenting on this, he said, "Why a dove?" He said, "A dove is the most meek and most innocent of all birds, without gall, without talons, having no fierceness in it, expressing nothing but love and friendship to its mate in all its carriages and mourning over its mate in all its distresses." He said, "A love, uh, He said, "A dove was a most fit emblem of the spirit that was poured out on Jesus when he was just about to enter his work of salvation." And I love this. He said, "For as sweetly as doves do converse with doves, so may every sinner in Christ converse together." But as beautiful as that is, that's that's not the whole story. That Jesus has this, if you want to call it, gentle spirit with Him. But it's also by the power of the Spirit that Jesus would go on. And next week we'll hear about Him, you know, resisting temptation and casting out demons and performing miracles and even raising the, you know, being raised from the dead. And the point being here that Jesus, in all of his life and ministry, was never alone. Uh, the Spirit was there with him. In Westminster, though, though we, like, we're, not, we're obviously not Jesus and we're not miracle workers, but if we are in Christ, then we too are never alone. You know, we have the same Spirit with us always gentle, powerful Spirit. And then as we close, notice what God the Father says you know, midway through verse 22. A voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. You know, there's, there's something, about, uh, something special about a father's approval, right? right. Um, you know, some of us are still waiting on our fathers to approve of us. Maybe some of us never got that. Um, every, every son longs to hear his father say, I'm proud of you, son. It's been said that all of rock and roll music is really just one long scream for daddy, and notice the wording here, God the Father says, with you, I am pleased. Not, not with what you can do and what you can do for me. Or, you know, I, I, like, I'm pleased with your very person, just with you. And I, I think I've mentioned this before, but Tish Harrison Warren said, it's remarkable that when the Father declares, this is my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't done really anything much of significance or impressive. Like he hadn't yet healed a bunch of people. He hadn't resisted Satan in the wilderness. He hadn't been crucified and, and, or resurrected yet. It, but it's as if God is going out of his way to say, Before you do anything, know that I love you. Because I love you. Just because. And what's truly breathtaking, so, so good, is that if you are in Christ then what was true of Jesus at his baptism is also true of you now. Like, not after you read your Bible, not after you get your stuff together, not until you have stronger faith. No, no. Like, now. Now. You know, what a a beautiful picture we saw of this this morning, you know, of us singing Jesus Loves Me, um, really as a congregation, but also kind of over these newly baptized babies. It's It's a picture that, you know, before they know it, before they confess it, before they can even sing it themselves, they've heard it declared that Jesus loves them. And Westminster, if you are in Christ, really, like, before you do more or try harder, you too need to know that Jesus loves you. Amen? Amen. Well, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for what we see at Jesus' baptism, um, the Spirit descending, uh, you speaking, um, and Lord, we're excited about to see and to remember what Jesus has done um, for us through his ministry, but also may this just implant in us, Lord, because most of us feel like phonies, posers, losers, or or maybe some of us think we're hot stuff. Lord, wherever we are, if we're that prideful mountain, knock us down. And if we're in the pits, lift us up. And Lord, show us that the best thing about us is you and that in you, um, our identity is one in Christ. Uh, we're not defined by our sins. We're not defined by our failures. Uh, but we are defined by one who is beloved. So may that reality identify us as we move out this week into the world. And we ask this in Christ. Amen. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.